And so we, we, we took a little break from this series. We've been doing a series. We, t- we generally teach through the Bible, through books of the Bible. And we were doing a series called Live Differently. And we did First Peter. And if you're kind of bright, you might guess we're at Second Peter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and this, is, so this is our second week in. Now, last week, I'd been sick all week, had no caffeine, and still preached for an hour. Uh, <laughs> I can't promise that won't happen again, except I have had caffeine, a little bit of espresso, because I, I do, do enjoy that. Um, one of God's wonderful, wonderful creations. One of the benefits of getting to go to Ethiopia from time to time is the incredible coffee. I mean, incredible people, too, incredible things. Uh, although I, I kind of, I forgot that letter on my desk. I want to read at the end? Thank you. Uh, I got a letter from Ethiopia that I completely forgot about and left on my desk. Because again, if you don't like organized religion, try us. We're not that organized. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I do forget things. But um, Second Peter, First Peter was really talking about how to live in challenging times and a lot of, uh, and a lot of stuff, and you can, you, can look, you can listen to those online if you want. Second Peter, at least the first part here we're starting, is working out what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. You know, your, your life should look differently. We talk about living differently. If you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, your life should change. Now, some of you, you maybe grew up in the church, it doesn't feel like a big change because you've kind of been around it your whole life, but, but trust me, it's different. I, those of us who maybe, like, in, like myself, found Christ in my 20s, you know, my life took a pretty dramatic turn. Uh, it was funny because I, I, <laughs> I, on Facebook, I, I have a love-hate relationship with social media because I love it because I like to connect with people. I hate it because everyone just argues and stuff on it, but, you know, I just want to, you know, connect with people. And I had a friend messaged me because she found my profile and she's like, so you're a pastor now? What's the deal there? Uh, because <laughs> there was a change, you know, I, I, not that I was a horrible, horrible person. You know, those of you who knew me in high school, uh, at least maybe I, maybe you thought I was, but you know, I, I definitely, I live differently. I have different priorities, different values. And, and so we're in, in second Peter chapter one, we're going to start in verse five. It says, in view of all this, that is, in, in view of what Christ has done, in view of, uh, of new life and that, that God has given us uh, uh, th- all the, the things that he has, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Um, So make every effort to respond. Now, Jesus does the work on the cross for our salvation. It's purely by our faith in him, our trust in him, that we're made right with God. You can't do enough good for God to accept you. The only thing we can do is accept Jesus as, as the payment for our sins, as the way back to the Father, but... You could still make every effort in your faith. There, there's still work to do. Dallas Willard has said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And so today is going to be kind of a, a roll-up-your-sleeves day. Uh, no, we're not physically going to do that, although we could go outside and do some work. But we're talking about there, there is some work to faith and becoming who you want to be in Christ uh, and who we're expected to be. And so you know, uh, um, if a friend were to come to you, and say they're, they want to, they're, they're, they're working on getting in shape. What do you expect? You know, maybe working out. 
Uh, you know, we're still in the weird pandemic time, so maybe they're setting up a home gym. Like, that's been really popular. It's kind of hard to even find stuff. My theory is there's going to be a lot of gym equipment for sale in the near future, so don't, don't worry. Um, I'm going to swoop in at 10 cents on the dollar. I'm, I'm eventually going to get everything I want. <laughs> you know, but, you know, you would expect to do that. Or maybe their, their diet, they're changing their diet, right? Like, that's, a, that's another popular one. They're, or maybe they're going to a gym. They're doing some sort of... But there'd be some sort of effort. If they said, I'm really working on getting, I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting in shape, and they don't do anything, you kind of stay a couch potato, play video games. Do you think they're serious about it? No, because you're like, you, you need to do something if you're not in shape and want to get in shape. Uh, I always just remind people, round is a shape. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, but if you'd expect to see some effort. If not, you think they're just fine with being the way they are, which is fine, you know, we're <laughs> but not in faith. Uh, verse 1 uh, says, of the whole thing says, I'm writing to you who, shame, who share the same precious faith we have. And so, you know, if you have faith, if you believe, you know, there, there's two words. I like to throw out big words occasionally because they make me feel smart. No. Uh, the, the first one is maybe a word you've heard before, orthodox. You know, and that's, you know, the orthodox, the correct beliefs. And, and you know, my, my wife was friends with some people who were orthodox Presbyterians in college. They, they called themselves God's frozen chosen. And then when, I, when we were getting married, they're like, um, they were listening to things that, you know, the benefits to marrying Denise, and one of them was, you know, orthodox Presbyterian friends, predestined to be your friends too. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's funny. Anyway, so there's Orthodox, and there's the, the Eastern Orthodox Church. That, that, you know, uh, and it's the idea, and Christianity in general is an Orthodox faith, meaning we, we want to have the right beliefs. And if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, you, you want to believe the right things, right? But some religions skew more to the Orthoprax, meaning, say, now, new word, I can see it in your eyes. I, mask eyes. <laughs> It's hard sometimes to tell what people are thinking with everyone's wearing masks. I'm just hoping none of you are thinking, I'm going to get the offering, because <laughs> uh, you're all wearing masks. Anyway, uh, that's a joke. But orthoprax means orth the right practice, the right doing. And so some faiths, some religions are about doing the right thing. Now, in general, I, I, would, I would categorize Christianity as orthodox, because you want to have the right belief. But if you have the right belief, then you will live differently. You will be orthoprax. And, and so there, there's, a, we, we are called to, to, to faith in Christ. And again, this is a roll up your sleeve sermon. But there's some things we have to do to live differently in this world because of our faith in Christ. And that's one of the ways we reveal and show our faith to other people is that we live differently. Um, and so, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, indwells us. We talked about it Easter. We talked about the curtain was ripped in two, the, you know, in the temple, the, the, the access between where the Holy Spirit was, the, the presence of God and, and us, that's, that's kind of changed. And, and, you know, if you're believers, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And so that the Holy Spirit is in us, and it changes things. Now, Two weeks ago, don't worry, it wasn't corona. <laughs> I, you'd hate to tell anyone you're sick right now. 
or and those of us with seasonal allergies, oh my gosh, everyone looks at you, you sneeze somewhere, you cough, and I'm like, just trust me, pollen kills me. But you know, pollen, little tiny pollen can destroy my lungs. I'm like coughing and hacking, and I'm like wishing I lived somewhere other than Delaware at times. Uh, I'm at, I think I'm allergic to pine, and I live on a pine tree farm. Like, it's just not a good combination. Um, I thought, I, growing up, I thought everyone was always full of, you know, congestion, and then I moved somewhere else, and I was like, oh, wait, so maybe it was all pollen, but I'm back, because <laughs> I'm just a glutton for punishment, but, you know, and then I had, I had, like, either a virus or a bacteria or something, and it was crazy, because, you know, they're, I don't know if you know this, they're really, really small, right, like, they're infinitesimal, you can't see a virus, you're not like, oh, look, you know, cooties, you know, but, but that little tiny virus, that little tiny bacteria knocks me out, right, and, and since I'm a man, I don't do anything. I just lay on the couch and moan a lot because, you know, unfortunately, women generally keep moving and working and <laughs> God bless you. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I did the best I could, but, you know, I'm a man. Uh, <laughs> but little thing knocks you out. Now, if a little virus, a little bacteria, this little thing can completely knock you out, what can the Holy Spirit do inside you? Much more powerful, right? And, and so the Holy Spirit comes into you when you believe. And then the Holy Spirit will change us. Now, change your desires. Uh, you know, here's the thing. It's two pedals. I, I use this analogy all the time, not just because I like biking, because I think it, it's a good analogy for something. Most of us have seen a bicycle at some point, right? Uh, you know, there's two pedals. And, and there's, there's the Holy Spirit in you, but, but it also requires your effort too, because God's just not going to like, and change you and make you into something new. Now, there is some instantaneous and progressive sanctification we can talk about. There's some things God changes immediately, but a lot of the things in faith, we then have to work out. We, we, we have to, to cooperate. We have to, to push that other pedal of the bike, and, and God will change us. Now, the Holy Spirit will change your desires. Now, here's a thing. Uh, <laughs> glad Dad's not here today. Well, he might be watching online. <laughs> but, you know, when I was younger... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be truthful here. I cussed a little bit. Oh yeah, it was bad. It was like a comma I would use. You know, I, I, and here's the thing. When I, I, I was kind of slowly. You know, I started going to church. God was working on me. And, and one time, I remember this guy. I worked in this factory at the time, and the guy goes, "Man, you don't cuss anymore." And I was like, "Ah, that's wrong." I, you know, but I, I I hadn't realized it, but. As I was trying to pursue Christ, I was trying to, to grow in, in, in Jesus, and someone was like, people were witnessing, they were giving me like Christian heavy metal, because I was always like a metal head. Um, now, first, first round, Petra, not very heavy, just for those, <laughs> but there was some cool stuff that God used, because it's, instead of the stuff that was normally in my head, I was, as I drove to the factory, I had this other stuff in my head, and, you know, it changed the way I speak. Now, I was around a guy this week on a construction site, and there were a few words thrown out. And it, I'll be honest, there is that temptation to fall back into an old pattern, even though it's 30 years ago now, right? And, and so we have those, those temptations, but, but God will empower us. Again, his Holy Spirit changes us, but then we have to cooperate with that, and, and we make choices, you know, when I, when I heard that, and I heard in my head saying something using that, I made the choice, that's not who I am anymore. And, and, and so it, it's us and the Holy Spirit working. Philippians 2, starting verse 12 says, 
Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now I am away. It is even more important. This is Paul speaking. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence of fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He pleases him. So God is working in you, but you need to work hard. And that, that's, you know, the NIV says, uh, says this way, and it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're not working for salvation, but, but you continue to work it out. And we, we continue to, to try to, to, uh, to grow. Now, I think it's a lot like um, Ikea furniture. Anyone like Ikea? Yeah, it's, it's fun. I, I haven't been there. I don't know if they're open, like, because, well, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm not going to, like, go to an urban area. Like, I'd love to see an Ikea in our town, uh, but, you know, if it was definitely not going to be in Wyoming. <laughs> it, you know, probably not in Camden, even, or even Dover, because we're just not that big, you know. We're kind of, we're, we're a small place in a small state. We can't, they can't even get one in Wilmington, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, anyway, I, I, like, I like the store. You go through the store, but if you haven't been to Ikea, or maybe anywhere else now, you buy furniture, and what does it come in? A box, you know, and it's interesting because one of my things, you know, the one thing I do like about Facebook, and I never post like bad things in my life on there because I don't want to be reminded every year of those things. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, you know, one of the, you know, four years ago or five years ago today, I was trying. It was yesterday, or the day before. I don't know. It was the last couple days. It was this thing, and it was IKEA furniture directions, and you're just like, I, I don't understand because it's, you know. Two diagrams, I had no idea what it was talking about. And then there was a dude on a phone. So I'm like, is it phone a friend? Because I, I, I remember assembling this thing and just going, I have no idea what the next step is. Now you can go on YouTube and everything uh, and, and watch somebody assemble it, which you almost need to. But here's the thing. God gives us the Ikea box. He gives us the parts. But there's some work to put it together. And so we're supposed to build, we're supposed to work hard. God gives us the stuff, but we still have to kind of put it together. And so there's effort in our faith. Um, and, you know, it says obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Um, obedience is uh, evidence of faith in God. Because, you know, with deep reverence and fear, we have to have respect and awe. Now, a lot of times in the Christian church, if I can be honest with you, if I can be frank, is we can't, you can come into the church and, and we sort of have this topical love of God, but we really don't have this, this sense of fear and awe of, of who he is. Because we often live our lives one way, even though we say we believe another thing. And we, again, we treat the Bible like that software agreement, because we, you know, when the software agreement, you know, it comes up on your computer, you've updated things, and you click I accept. Who reads the whole thing? Not even our computer people read the whole thing anymore. You know, like, there's whole articles on, they've changed something in their terms of service. We just all click okay. And that's, you know, we, we click okay on the Bible. You know, hey, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm going to believe the Bible. We click okay, but we don't know what's in it. And, and, and if you have awe and respect for God, you try to figure out what's in it because we want to live in a way that honors God. Now, that's not meant to be condemning, if that's not where you are, but it's meant to be encouraging because we should live differently when we follow Christ. Um, and most of us don't like obeying. How many of you have broken the law today? Okay, how many of you drove here over the posted speed limit? 
My son just raised his hand. We're going to have a conversation <laughs> later. <laughs> You're still living in my house, in my car. Uh, <laughs> no. How many of you kind of roll the stop sign a little like, you know, because you're like, ah, it's Sunday. You're kind of stopping, but you're not. Um, I would not recommend that in Wyoming because you will meet Chief Willie or one of the officers. They're great people, but, you know, and I'd love to I'd encourage you to meet them when we do egg hunts and stuff, but not on the road when you roll the stop sign. Uh, but it's great because you can fund this, the town of Wyoming. They do need funds. Um, they put the fun in funds. <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, so we need to, we don't like a bang, but there, there is obedience in faith. It says, God is working, giving you the desire and power to do what pleases him. Uh, you know, it's a, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. It says, you know, Ephesians 1.13, in the NIV says, when you have believed, you are marked with him with a seal, the, the promised Holy Spirit. And so we're adopting it. You know, Jesus comes inside of us. And so they, the same spirit, that, that Jesus was filled with when he healed people who couldn't walk, when he, when he healed people who were blind, when, when he healed the, 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 the lepers and raised the dead and raised Jesus is living inside of us. And so, now, you're not going to achieve perfection today. Okay, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't feel condemned every time you, you still struggle and fall. But, it, but if that Holy Spirit is in us, and it is who we say it is, not it, <laughs> he, the Holy Spirit, the part of the, the triune God is in us, we should live differently. We have a different power. And so, you know, before, you know, if I, if I tried to clean up my language, it was hard. Because, you know, you kind of fall into thing, patterns and behaviors and things you're used to, you're accustomed to. But with the Holy Spirit, those things are possible. And so the Holy Spirit comes in us, and ultimately we should look like him. Now, my daughter looked at my phone, and the voice, the face recognition opened it. <laughs> you know, Apple's not as secure as you think, but there's no denying my kids, right? They look enough like me that at least one of them can open my phone on face recognition. Uh, I don't know what that says for Apple security. This would be another, you know, you know, Stephen's another reason you could kind of bag on Apple. <laughs> but, but, you know, we should look like him. And so, you know, our goal in life is to look like Jesus did. Now, that doesn't mean like with kind of the stereotypical long hair. Um, he always long hair and a beard, uh, which is funny to me because, you know, there's a time period where people were like, um, you know, anti-long hair, but then at the same time, the pictures of Jesus had long hair, so it was like, you know, choose one. And now, uh, you know, honestly, I haven't done enough research on haircuts in the biblical times right now uh, to, to kind of picture, but that's not what we're talking. We're not physically saying you have to imitate his hairstyle or the way he dressed. And, you know, we always picture him in like, in, for some reason, a white robe with like a blue sash, and he's always carrying a lamb in the pictures growing up, which has some biblical reason, but, uh, but you know, not, not that, but but our actions, the way we treat people, the way we live in this world should look differently because of who he is. Um, now, that affects everyday decisions, right? So, uh, I, I've told you, and I know some of you have kind of repeated back to your kids, sometimes when we watch television, and I know and none of you thought I watched TV up until this point. You thought I was holy and lived on a mountain and, you know, just prayed. And that's generally what I do. But one day a week, I, I trek into the, the world the rest of you live in. Uh, 
But you know, when you watch TV, I, I, early on, you, know, you start watching TV with your kids and it's like kind of past the cartoon phase, except for Caillou. So glad Caillou got canceled. Sorry if you loved that show, that was horrible. <laughs> um, my kid whined like Caillou, they were on timeout or something, you know. Anyway, but, you know, you're watching TV, there's often things that are not exactly godly, right? And, and so we, we developed an expression in our house was, not our values. Like, because I can't give you a lecture every time, because we, like, pause the TV or t take a break and, you know, give an entire lecture about, you know, how that's not a Christian value, you know, it's a plot device, it's, you know, but... <laughs> Kind of shorthand, not, not our values. And, and so sometimes you have to look at TV and go, not our values. You watch a movie, you go, not our values. And there's times when I turned an old movie on like that I'd watched years ago or something. And you, you, know, you ever do that? Like you watch an old movie and then you turn it on and you're like, oh my gosh. There was a lot more in that movie than I remember there being. Because I watched that before Jesus, you know, B.C., before Christ. Not because I'm so old, I was born in B.C., but... <laughs> It, it was, you know, and you watch it, and then you have to decide, am I going to watch that? Because, you know, do I want to fill my head with all those things? And, and you have to figure out where those lines are, because, you know, you know, you know, a, a, am I going to live this life differently? You know, so will I laugh at a joke that's not godly? It's hard at work sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> joke, you're like, do I laugh? Do I not laugh? Do I awkwardly giggle? Do I smirk? Do I act like I got a phone call? Uh, <laughs> Hold on. Uh, you know, will I trade my integrity for profit <laughs> uh, for my boss? And, and there's times where there, there's little, you know, decisions you have to make. Am, am I going to live Christ-like uh, even when in the midst of, you know, my employer has a different idea? Men's Bible study. We were talking about, you know, in, in Romans, the government authority over us. And we're talking about authority, you know, bosses and things. And talking about, you know, when it's, you know, when do you obey authority, when do you not? It, it, it stop, when, it, when it starts to go against your faith, what are you going to choose? We choose to live differently. Um, you know, so it, it's this, you know, uh, I know, man, we got, we got way up here. <laughs> you know, in view of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith with a generous portion of moral excellence and moral excellence with, with knowledge. And so there's moral excellence, you know, uh, we, 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 um, I kind of skipped that in my notes, but the idea, <laughs> that whole part was moral excellence. <laughs> the, the, you know, that it, it's, you know, the, I think it's the ESV ch translates it virtue. And, and so we make choices on how to live. Do we want to live a life of virtue, a life of moral excellence? Do we, do we want to live like Christ? Uh, and then number, number two, this, the second thing there in the, is knowledge. Now, if you don't increase in knowledge, it's hard to kind of live things out. And so, as a believer, we pursue knowledge. We, we need clear insight. Um, now, and you need to be persuaded by the truth. See, in, in church, and one of the reasons, again, I'm not saying this is the only way to do this. There's times for topical sermons. I've done topical sermons. I'm not anti-topical sermons, you know. Uh, but most of the time, why we just talk about what's in the Bible is so you know what's in the Bible. Because it's so, you can grow up in church, go to church your whole life, and have no idea what's in a book of the Bible, Right? Or maybe, and you know, they tell you to read the Bible, but, and you start off, and you get, like, into Genesis, and quit somewhere there, and you never get to, or maybe you start in Matthew, and get through Matthew, and then you kind of don't get any further, and, and so we talk a lot about, you know, what's in Scripture, because you want to know what's in Scripture, because the best way to learn something, uh, what's true, and what's false, the difference is, you know, by spending enough time around with the true thing, 
Now, it's like money. Now, have you ever gotten like a fake bill? No, because it's mostly dollars. And nobody's, you know, doing fake dollar bills, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, but if you've ever, like, you know, I could tell a fake bill generally um, because, you know, you've been around like a $20 bill, for instance, that you kind of know what one's like. I remember the first time they changed it, and I'm like, I didn't know, I didn't read they were changing it. And you're like, whoa, what the heck is this? This is not, this is not a 20, <laughs> you know, because it looked different. And, you know, and they changed the things. And you kind of, you got to Google it. Oh, they changed it. I remember when they changed nickels. I'm like, why would you spend all this time changing a nickel? I mean, people hardly use a nickel, but I got first time I got a nickel that was didn't look like the real thing. I'm like, what is, is this a plug nickel? <laughs> you know, you guys remember plug nickels? Some of you do. Uh, younger kids have no idea what we're talking about right now. But when you're around the authentic, you can tell the fake. And, and, and if you grow in knowledge, you, you'll be better at putting your faith into practice. And, and so, question, you know, What's something you learned about your faith this year that you didn't know last year? Now, you may not be able to name it, uh, you know, because sometimes we don't. But you should continually grow in your knowledge of God. And that's, for me, one of the big disciplines of the faith is reading the Bible. Because when I read the Bible, I learn new things. <laughs> it's funny. I can't tell you how many times I've read Second Peter. That's the book we're on now, okay? For those of you who missed that at the beginning. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've read Second Peter. I, you know, I, I read it within a few months of becoming a Christian because I read the whole Bible. I was just like, this is incredible. <laughs> you know, there, there were some parts there in, in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and you're like, what in the world? <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, was re I was reading it, and I was like, I can't tell you how many times I read Second Peter. I've noticed new things in Second Peter. I'm sure they were in there the last time I read them. <laughs> but, but, you know, there, there, there's stuff in there, and, and you continually learn and understand who God is. And, and so I think one of the primary th ways we learn about God is, you know, one, church— but, but two, a personal discipline of, am I going to read the scriptures? And you, some of us may struggle with that. And, and that's why we have groups, because in a group, you can, you know, study scripture together. And it, it's been weird during the pandemic. We can't do some of the group things, and, but, you know, we could do some online ones. You can connect with other people. We, we do, do, do like the men's group and stuff still. We stay socially distant and we don't eat breakfast. I know that's a shame because the breakfasts were really, really good. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a lot of amens and shaking. So, uh, but good, you know, but the point was not the breakfast. The, the point was the fellowship and the knowledge and, and learning uh, more about who God is. And so, you know, we, we naturally learn about all kinds of things, right? Anyone have a hobby? Did you learn about that hobby? I know what your hobby is. You, you were much more knowledgeable in that hobby than a year ago, right? Uh, um, some of us exercise as our hobby. Do you, you know, and so is your knowledge of your hobby different in the last 10 years? Yeah. I, and I, for me, it's always been, I, I've always been, I like to pick things up and put things down. <laughs> you know, I, I like to lift. And so I know a lot about lifting. I don't know everything. I'm still learning stuff. I, I, I did Olympic lifting since I was, you know, 17 years old, I did, you know, some of the Olympic lifts. Two years ago, three years ago, I messed up on a, um, on a snatch, had to bail, dropped it into a clean, and I realized that's the perfect form. I finally got it. <laughs> After doing it for 30-some years. <laughs> you know, and, and, you, you, but I, you, I pursue knowledge in that because it's stuff I enjoy. I, you know, I started biking a couple of years ago. I love biking because I, I used to like running, believe it or not. Now I only run if there's a bear, but I used to love running. But, and, I, and I read all about running to, to get, become a better runner. 
uh, but now my knees are shot. So, you know, I, I've learned about bikes. And it's funny because, you know, we were, we were changing tires and I was given some tips on how to change tires. You know, two years ago, I didn't know that. Started riding with Gertie, got a flat tire every time I went. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was, I, I, I rode alone for years, no flat tires. I ride, start riding with people and I'm getting a flat tire every time I go out. I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I've, I've learned some tips and tricks of that. It's, you know, whatever your hobby is, some of you craft, some of you, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you guys do, <laughs> but you probably do something. You know, some of you, some of you are into hunting or some of you do musical stuff and some of you are photographers and you learn about, you know, your, your thing because you like it, you learn. And if we really want the life of faith, we want to live properly before God, there is this aspect of learning about it. Again, it's not that you're not right with God because you don't learn, but we have to add knowledge to our faith to, to really know what we believe and to become who God is calling us to become. Um, uh, I jumped ahead in my notes. <laughs> I'm like talking, I move my hands. I'm not Italian, I promise you. I just, but I do talk with my hands. Um, some of you know that. And that's why I, I can't use a handheld mic. When they give me a handheld mic, like I... I <laughs> You know, anyway, I think, I think in one of the Bible colleges we have, I think they teach you to do it with a handheld mic because all the people from that college like to use a handheld mic. But I don't know if it's like a teddy bear, like a safety thing after you've had it. Anyway, <laughs> I got to talk with my hands. Uh, but, but, you know, we, we need to learn from his word. And, and, um, you know, and, and we, we, so number three is self-control. Now, Aristotle, you know, we're going to sound all fancy, we're quoting Aristotle. Uh, Aristotle said, I count him braver who overcomes his desires than him who conquers his enemies, for the hardest victory is over self. Self-control is hard, isn't it? Maybe some of you are like excellent at it and you, you're always greatly self-controlled. That's awesome. Uh, bacon. Does Jeff like bacon? How often does Jeff eat bacon? Very rarely. I love bacon, but I also like to have a heart that works. <laughs> so I, 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 I can't eat as much bacon as I'd like. Now, it doesn't mean we, sometimes we go to this buffet, that, well, no buffets are open right now, are they? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I, we, go, we go into one and we called it NBLB, no bacon left behind. And we would eat... <laughs> I would eat a year's worth of bacon because I, I love bacon. But, but you, you, you have to have self-discipline or you will have a heart attack from the amount of bacon. I would like, that's, Americans, we like buffets because we don't like self-control. Um, I've literally heard someone say as I'm coming back to my seat, they're like, you know you can go up again, right? Uh, <laughs> but self-control is hard. Now, when, uh, believe it or not, I used to wrestle and I wrestled, my weight class in college was as low as 177. Um, I was coming in from 205, 210, dropping down to 177. And there was a lot of things you do, and one of those is not eating. <laughs> and so, like, I wouldn't eat for, you know, a week or more, um, you know, it's doing all kinds of things, and it's like, it just, I mean, I, you know, I'd had so many workouts and so many, and hadn't eaten, hadn't eaten, hadn't eaten, but I had to have a discipline, right? Because I had to make it that weight. And once I made that weight and could eat, you know what the problem was? 
stopping yourself because you, like your self-control is exhausted. You're re- and and that's, that's life. It, it, it's hard to have self-control sometimes. You know, and we have it and we don't have it. Now you can read the book Habits and I think Atomic Habits addresses, I haven't read that one yet. But there's the kind of there's psychological things to, to, to why self-control works and not. But the point being is that we have to have self-control over things. Now, I may, um, I work out, you know, most of you know I do CrossFit, you know, I do it early in the morning. You know why? Nothing else is happening super early, so it doesn't get in the way. Number two, uh, I don't think about it because I just wake up and go, and there's just a discipline to, like, I set my alarm and I go, and I don't think about it because if I think about it, I don't want to go because it's hard. Third thing is, I like to eat, and if you eat before you CrossFit, most of us, you will see that meal again. <laughs> I'm just being honest, because it's so hard. And so there's a discipline, like if, even if, if I'm going to work out at lunchtime, I have to eat in a certain way because I don't want to... Yes, I was trying to be delicate, but <laughs> just say exactly what I'm thinking. But you, you have to... You, you have to be disciplined, right? Uh, now, and uh, first, uh, first Corinthians 9.25 says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And, and so think Paul's using the analogy here, this is Paul in First Corinthians. You think Olympics. Winners get what? They get a crown. Uh, and, you know, I always picture like Little Caesars crown, that kind of thing. And so they get pizza pizza, for those of you who remember that. And, 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 you know, winning takes work. It takes hard work. You know, what, uh, what Olympic athletes sacrifice to be, become an Olympic athlete? Except, I don't know, the ping pong players, I don't know how hard they sacrifice. But a lot of the athletes, you know, it's like, it's crazy stuff. You know, those gymnasts, they retire, like, I'm, I'm 15, I'm over the hill, it's time to retire. I'm like, 15? <laughs> but, but, I mean, they have to live live that and, and you, know, you know some of the swimmers and what they have to go through and you know it, it's crazy what people will do and some of the the wrestlers because that's what I, I i tend to follow it's it's crazy how much effort and work it goes into getting that olympic medal and you know it's hard work it's a strict diet you have to forego friends at work now whether it's athletic whether it's awards for your work or, or, or internet likes whatever it is you're, you're you're striving hard to get ultimately those things are gone right now, most of you know, because I talk about it, like, all the time, I had a tornado go through my yard and my house. And everything that used to be in our attic is, you know, kind of, it had ended up as a storage thing or, like, because, like, like, a tree went through my house this way and stabbed my attic. And, you know, I'm going through boxes and different things. And I'm finding, like, old trophies that I had from when I, like, used to win stuff. You know what I do with them? Throw them away. Who cares? You know, like maybe take a picture, you know, I I did keep one because it's this dude I don't know what it was even for but he was like flexing like this and I happened to set it near my desk and it holds my cords from falling off Um, (laughs) So like my power cord for my laptop and my charger for my phone when I'm working are held up by this dude that's doing this I have no idea why he's doing that. I have no idea what I won because he was obviously not wrestling if he's doing that It's probably something for lifting, but point being is, you know, we work so hard for things that really don't matter. You know, on a daily basis, I don't, like, pull out, you know, my old freestyle medals and go, look, I won a freestyle 
metal somewhere up in Pennsylvania in the 90s. <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't matter. And then you get old like me, you're just throwing stuff away because, like, it's just something I, I can, like, not make my kids go through later <laughs> because, you know, it, it's just trash. And we, we, so much of what we put our effort into in life doesn't matter later Be- because it just, it, it disappears. It goes away. It, you know, it, it's not something that, that will matter to us long, long term. And, and so, um, you know, Ephesians 2.8 says, For God saved us by his grace when you believe. You can't take credit for this as a gift of God. Salvation not a reward for the good things we've done so that none of us can boast of it. You know, so we still, we work hard for eternal reward. Uh, and we work hard, and that means self-control, even when it's hard. And so, like, for instance, self-control, I'll be honest, get up in the morning. I, I think one of the best disciplines for life and growing in your faith is reading your Bible. Uh, you know, if, if you can't read, that's another story. I'm not making fun of you. you know, but, you know, some people listen to the Bible. Some people, you know, but it, that's, a, that's like a core discipline. Because if you can discipline yourself to do that, you know, you, it changes the way you think for the rest of the day. You, and, I, you know, try to honor, your God, honor, honor God in that fir- those first moments. It's, uh, and, and it changes the way you think for the rest of the day. It's an important discipline. Um, but it's a discipline. Because I wake up in the morning, and I often don't want to do it. And I'm a pastor. I'm just letting you guys in on this. You know, just you here and all you watching online at home. But, you know, it's hard. But you have to choose, am I going to do it? Just like a workout. You know, you choose when you wake up, the alarm goes off, am I going to the gym? You know, most days, yes, because, you know, health is important to me, so I go. Or spin class is important to you, so you go. We're disciplined about the things, so many things in our life, and you need to be disciplined about faith, whether that's Bible reading. And this is awkward, but, you know, whether it's coming to church, you know, some of us are watching online because, you know, the pandemic and things and kids' church and all the things we're trying to figure out and everything, but some of us are watching later online because we didn't feel like getting up. Now, there's legitimate reasons, but, you know, in general, (laughs) I, I promise you, if you don't show, you won't grow. Whether that means in a group here, in a small group, uh, you know, th- there is something important, and we'll get to talking about what it is to be together as people, and that's one of the ways we grow. It's, you know, awkward conversation, because it's like you're preaching church attendance to the people who are already here. Because um, <laughs> everyone here is going to say amen, because you're already here. <laughs> um, if you don't see that irony, well, oh well. <laughs> uh, number four is patient endurance. Now, I'm numbering them one, two, three, four, because that helps me keep them in my head, because it was like, add this, this. It's kind of like a, almost like steps, but I, I don't know that they're necessarily, you go to one to the next when I looked at them. I thought so at the beginning, and then I, and it's, I, I kind of started with faith. So some people, when they number these, get eight, but because, but I, I figure you're starting with faith. It's, anyway, so in case you care that how I get seven, I don't know if you do, but you do now. <laughs> now you know. Uh, patient endurance is the ability to keep going even in the midst of trials and hardship. Don't quit. Even when the world seems to fall apart, we can persevere in faith. Uh, you know, it, here's a, if self-control speaks to how we handle the pleasures of life, patient endurance speaks to how we handle the pressures of life. Because there, there's something about our, our we have to, to continually be disciplined. I think, you know, if you're in the military, resilience training uh you there's you know you have to 
there's a little bit of mental toughness to faith. And as you, as you live life, you'll, you'll gain more of that. But it, it is important to gain it. You know, I, again, I love wrestling uh, as a sport. And, um, I loved football. I probably loved playing football better. I, I think I had more success in wrestling, but I love the sport. And it's an interesting to, you know, watch my son wrestle and everything. Because you go to wrestling tournaments, you remember things. And it's impressive when a guy wins a tournament, right? When a guy just dominates and wins. That's impressive. You, you can say yes. If you don't think it's impressive, you're wrong. Um, it's cool to watch. It's, I, I, you know, you, you, sometimes you see like the number one dude, and he's just like destroying everyone else, and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is just, he's made that next level. Can't wait to see him wrestle in college or, you know, in the Olympics. And, you know, uh, we watched the Olympic trials, you know, it was, it was crazy um, to watch sometimes the number one dude just smoke the other dude. Uh, anyway, uh, but you know what I'm more impressed of at a wrestling tournament I love watching? The dude who loses in the first round, as long as you're not eliminated in the first round, and then spends two days wrestling back for third place. Because there's just some toughness. Because when you get knocked out of a tournament, you have to decide in that moment, am I just going to fold it, go home, you know, eat pizza back at the hotel for the next two days? You know, and you see kids just never recover. A good kid loses a match and then just loses his next one to some guy that he should have destroyed because he's just not mentally tough. But I love watching those kids who wrestle back and end up third because I'm like, man, they just had to, had to be tough. And there, there's some of that, that patient endurance, that resilience that we need with faith. You know, as we churn with faith, we need to develop a mental toughness in faith so we can pursue God even when the world around us seems like it's falling apart. Am I going to pursue God? Or am I going to just get beaten? Um, and you know, one of the things that sports have taught me about life is if you work really hard and give it all you got, you often lose. <laughs> like, I know that's supposed to be the pep talk speech where you, know, you win. Because you watch like the Hallmark movies, the team always wins, right? Like if they work hard, like the other team's not working hard too. But Rocky won. You may remember that movie, Rocky One. We're going to have to ask you to leave right now. Um, <laughs> it's just getting worse. You're digging a hole. Um, but I remember as a kid watching Rocky One, and spoiler alert, you kind of just put your head over your knees, or not, I mean your ears. <laughs> What are these things again? Um, you never know what I'm going to say. Uh, but, close your ears for a second. Rocky won. Great movie. And I remember watching this kid. And what, you know what really surprised me at the end? He lost. Like, everything in my childhood told me that if you worked hard, then you win. And, and so he doesn't win. And I'm kind of sitting there stunned going, what? I still remember where I was in my parents' house, and I'm like, what? <laughs> but you're supposed to win. He's the protagonist. He, he's had this journey. And, but, but it's true that he lost. But mental toughness, toughness, one that set him up for the, the sequel. You know, maybe we wouldn't have, like, we're rock, Rocky, what, 27 now? Um, <laughs> I just, they just keep going. I don't know. But, you know, there, you know his mental toughness, because you could have quit then, retired, and been done. Now, they want a rematch, all kinds of things. But it's, it's a cool movie because there's this, this 
you know, he continues and he goes. And that's how we have to be with faith. There's times you're going to get knocked down. There's times you're going to get pushed down. There's times that it's hard. But as you mature in Christ, you develop a maturity and a toughness that, that even when things are hard, even when you maybe you're crying at home, you know, that, that we continue to push forward in, in, in faith. And God doesn't always come through on our time, right? Just, I'll just push it back to First Peter. You can listen to some of those messages again. But we learn to trust God much more in the valley than we do on the mountaintop. You know, when we're at the lowest point, than we, than we do when we're like, everything's awesome and great. Um, godliness. Uh, this word sums up the idea of growing spiritual maturity. Our behavior changes. We need to grow so that our lives reflect who Jesus is. Now, we often use the term um, hashtag. Well, I don't know, we're not hashtagging it all the time anymore, but Jesus-y. Like, we want to be like Jesus. And, and so there's this godliness. Uh, while God gives us the ability to become godly, this uh, commentator said this, or, um, <laughs> Douglas Moo, which I always picture a cow, but anyway. <laughs> He's a good commentator. I got enough of his books that, you know, I, I like him. But while God gives us the ability to become godly, it is our responsibility to use the power he has made available to us and actually work at becoming people who please God in every phase of life. And so there's this effort again to become godly people. It's not just automatic. Now, there's parts of it that are automatic. There's parts that God changes at that moment. But again, we have to use this to become, you know, people who... Uh, really live this Jesus thing out. Number six, for brotherly affection. Now, another translation says familial affection. Um, the Greek word is, and you guys will love this, Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the, the kind of the idea is, uh, you know, it's to love the family of God, and, you know, Philadelphia is from phileo, and, you know, but we have to, you know, love people, love the family of God, like the Philadelphians love the Eggles. <laughs> like the Philadelphians love cheesesteaks. Like the Philadelphians love soft pretzels. You know, it, it's that kind of love we need to have for people. Uh, now, if you wear, okay, Packers, if you were out today for lunch, well, I don't know, can we go out to lunch? I still don't know what we're allowed to do in a pandemic. <laughs> but like, you're going to go out for, oh yeah, I know, you're going to go out for lunch. <laughs> I forgot who you were sitting with for a second there. Um, when you go out to lunch today, if you see another Green Bay Packers fan, which they're few and far between, I imagine, here, but there's an instant connection, right? And if you were wearing an Eagles jersey, yeah, there's, like, yeah, there's something to be said. Like, you could be pumping up gas. The guy looks sketchy, but then he's got the same jersey of you like, and suddenly there's, like, this, like, camaraderie. Uh, you know, Jeep people all wave to each other. You ever notice? Like, people who wear, wave, they're like, they have this cool, like, laid-back wave. Uh, they do the peace thing. They kind of, they do, like, hang their foot out the door. I don't know. I, I've seen it. But I'm not a Jeep guy. But I, I have an old 66 Mustang that was my mom's, uh, which, you know, it looks better from, a, you know, 30 or 40 feet than it does real up close. But when you see another person in an old Mustang or even newer ones, there's this wave. And I forget when I'm not driving it, and I wave, and they're like, why is that dude waving at me? I'm, like, I'm in the club, I promise, I got the keys. Why? No, but there's, there's this camaraderie you have when you, when you like the same sports team. 
or, or, you know, or you like the same band, or if you're wearing the same Superman t-shirt. I wear this kettlebell t-shirt that kind of looks like Superman, and everyone's like, Superman! And they're like, oh, wait, that's not, that, no, that's a kettlebell. Um, <laughs> I just like to confuse people. Awkwardness is where we grow. <laughs> uh, but there's this brotherly affection. Uh, and in the body of Christ, that's the kind of love we need, too. There, there, there should be this affection, you know, you, and that means, kind of, go, if you don't show up, you won't grow up, um, you can't run out the door, well, it's, and it's weird now, because we're in the middle of a pandemic, and there's some stuff, but if you run out the door, you never get to know people, you really don't get to know the body of Christ, you don't get to know, and so if you don't know, you won't grow. I'm just rhyming everything today, man, it's, it's the espresso. Uh, <laughs> you, you have to work on relationships. Galatians 6, 2 says, you know, bear one another's burdens, uh, for Christ. You know, you can't bear one another's burdens if you don't know one another. And, and there's this necessity to, to kind of get to know each other. First um, Peter 5.14 said, um, greet each other with a kiss of love. One, we're not doing that because it's COVID. Two, it's kind of weird culturally for us to kind of go kissing each other, right? And now here's the thing, in that culture, who would you kiss? Generally, your family, maybe some close friends. And, and so it was kind of odd to say, you know, it was, it was something reserved for family and close friends. So when, when Paul's writing that, when Peter's writing that, in this case, because Paul writes it too, he's saying, hey, you're part of a new family. There's these subtle things. And when you read, um, the, when you read the, the, the New Testament, there's stuff that, that, that the writers, you see stuff, like in Acts, you see, you know, they're sharing money and different things, making sure everyone has... That's the stuff you do with family. Some of the early people who hated Christianity, one of their arguments against Christianity is they treat everyone like their family. Would they say that of us? And some of us need to not treat each other the way our family treats us, because that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there, there's this intimacy. I, I think I'll never get used to this. It's only happened to me once. Um, uh, Gorsha. I mean, you can't, it's hard, right? When someone gorshas you, you're like, it's awkward. Um, you have to Google it. No, I, in Ethiopia, again, I, I love East Africa. I can't go there right now. I just, I miss it. I miss the people. I have some great friends there. Love teaching there. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, anyway, so in Ethiopia, you eat with, um, it's, it's like a crepe-like pancake kind of, it's, but it's like, it's called injera, and so you, you tear off some of it, and you kind of wrap and eat your food. Some of you have had Ethiopian food. It's kind of great. You know, a lot of other cultures eat with their hands in ways, like, we're, we're used to, like, silverware, but that's just, all that stuff's cultural, but, you know, to show that someone's your good friend, they, they, Gorsha is when they, they grab some food, and they stick it in your mouth, and there's nothing as awkward for an American <laughs> When your Ethiopian friend just stuck his hand in your mouth, <laughs> and you want to bite, you want to, you want flight, you want to go, but it's like you're just like, no, this is an honor. But that's that's kind of an intimate thing, and that's sort of what this, this holy kiss is. And again, we're not going to greet each other with kisses, but there's an intimacy of friendship that the body of Christ needs to have. And when, you, when you're not connected in that way, you'll miss out. Again, it's, it's a hard time to do this. I'm preaching something that's hard to live out right now. But th there's this intimacy of knowing people that we should have in the body of Christ because that's the kind of thing that helps us in our faith. Be honest. 
I'll be frank. Yesterday, I did not want to ride my bike. We planned for 5.30. I was working all day. I wasn't feeling great. Been a, that was cold then. We were in a Bible study. We were doing godly stuff. We, we were going after the crown that endures. No. <laughs> no, but I'll be honest. I didn't want to go. Bob didn't want to go. Stephen didn't want to go. I don't think we all knew that none of us wanted to go until we were already here. Um, but we went. And we actually had a pretty good ride. You can check it out on Strava. But, <laughs> you know, we had a good ride because there's something about doing it with friends that sometimes gets you to do something you should do, but you maybe don't really feel like doing. And, and so much of faith, the community is something that should help you grow in your faith. Now, I'll be honest, if you uh, are around people who are believers, there are times when uh, you're going to get to know their flaws. I got a list for every one of you. I'm going to share it right now. Starting with you. No. <laughs> Not really. But, but you know, you, you will see the good and bad in people. But, you know, th that's how we help each other. That's how we grow. And, and we have to, it's important to try to see the image of God in people, even when it's a struggle. And that's community helps us continue in our faith. Number seven, um, love. Uh, I'm just going to like CF our series on first, second, and third John. <laughs> we talk once or twice about what it means to love one another in there. A little fuller there. But Romans 5.8 says this, For God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You know, we were estranged from God, we were separate from him, and Christ comes and dies for us anyway. And so love is not just a fuzzy feeling. Love is not just Valentine's Day sending cards and candy, but, but it, it's action, it's redemption. And Mark 12, um, and Jesus, this, this shows up in the Gospels, you know, uh, more than just here, but in Mark, Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus said the most important one, and he's talking about the, what's the most important commandment, is here, here this, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor yourself, for there is no commandment greater than these. And so we're, we're made to, to love one another. And, and, you know, we're supposed to love God, we love one another. Now, it's hard for some of us because we haven't experienced that kind of love. It's hard for some of us because we get frustrated with one another. And it's hard for some of us, because I know we can only, there are people who legitimately can only watch online. I'm not, I'm not, when I say it's important to meet together, I'm not trying to disparage that. But, you know, connection is important. And so whether it's, you know, big here, whether it's in a, you know, a small group or a discipleship group, there's this connection we need. It's that love for one another. It'll be life-changing, and it shows the world who we are. Uh, Jesus said, that, you know, no disciples by your love for one another. Um, now, you might at this point say, I have a lot of work to do, right? Like, of those seven, can you identify one area you need to grow? You can't go with knowledge because you never know enough. But <laughs> uh, here's the thing, spiritual growth requires effort on our part. And it doesn't matter if you've been in the faith one year, 20 years, 50 years, there, there, there's always ways we can grow, and we can help others grow. Uh, you know, challenge, there's seven of these. Um, 
you know, maybe write all seven on an index card. And every day, hold one up, go, that's what I'm gonna work on today. Or maybe, you know, then run through it in a week. You get seven in a week. Every time there's seven, you're like thinking that you could use that for a week. Or, or maybe it's something, you know, you, you kind of do one for a period of time and work on it. And it's, it's something we constantly need to grow in, but if we want to be godly people, there's effort to it. And we have to do the things that it takes uh, to make us grow. Um, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop a little early in the message. I, I, I still had a lot more notes to go. Um, <laughs> I know some of you, I, I might, I, I, you know, I'm half ready because I think I'll, I'll work in. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, man, can I get through it? Do I have a little time? We'll vote. Yes, no, keep going, stop. We'll kind of stop. <laughs> I'm getting enough head shakes. Um, sorry, there's just, this letter is packed. Again, I, I don't know how many times I've read Second Peter. I'm like studying. I'm reading like five commentaries. I'm downloading articles from this. Like, I, it was so hard to get this one article. Man, I, it took me a long time to find a PDF, and it was like, anyway, <laughs> just exciting stuff. Anyway, um, here's the, ultimately, here's the, the thing. Uh, you know, we live differently when we follow Jesus. Uh, and so if we want to live differently, these are some of the things we can put in practice, and ultimately, we'll see our lives change, and we'll see other people's change when we, when we do that. We live differently. Do you have that Ethiopia letter for me? Awesome. Um, I know. I shouldn't walk. Uh, for those of you who didn't see that online, I walked over to get the letter. Um, it, I'm so funny. I get here today, and I'm like, I don't need to go up to my office. I had that sitting right on my desk to, to bring up, but I forget things. Because, again, if you don't like organized religion— Try us. We're not that organized. Uh, <laughs> but um, here's this, it's this cool, cool uh, story I got. Uh, now, a lot of you know, I work with an organization called Africa's Hope, um, which is one of the organizations that kind of sends me over there. And um, it's not about me, but I'll just tell you what I do. My particular gifts are um, I like to, I probably study more than I need to. Uh, I just really enjoy the Bible. I really enjoy studying it. And so um, I'm more educated than I need to be uh, for, for what I do. <laughs> and so the cool thing is they send me over to Africa uh, because they don't have enough people like in countries like Ethiopia where, you know, the evangelical church in my lifetime was outlawed at one point. And so now uh, people are evangelical and the president's evangelical right now. <laughs> and so uh, I get to go over and I teach. And it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, too, because people think it's like all I do is sit around and eat injera and drink coffee. But it's long, grueling days. Because <laughs> uh, going through my lectures, it's got to be long and grueling for them. <laughs> you know, and I'm grading papers at night and everything. And then I have to grade when I come home. Anyway, so I, I love just what God is doing in Ethiopia is, you know, and what God is doing in Africa in a couple of different countries is just amazing. I could tell you stories. I could tell you some stories about some places in Asia, but I can't say them online, so you have to come talk to me later. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read just this quick story. Uh, this is from Africa Hope. Uh, they sent us this thing, and um, there's a, a uh, I don't know if I'm saying this, Dire Dawa, Dira, Dira. <laughs> See, even as much as I've been there, I don't know how to say it. And they have all these different languages in Ethiopia. It's not just Amharic. Uh, <laughs> it's near the Somali border. Um, and, and there was this dude, a uh, middle-aged man, wanted to share his testimony. And, and so 
raised in the region. He belonged to a clan which identified with um, Islam. He grew as a young adult, hated Christians. And, and, and so he, he kind of got in, like, radicalized in, into some things. And uh, <laughs> he grew suspicious, hateful, uh, and violent. Uh, <laughs> so an evangelist with the, uh, the Ethiopian Assemblies of God, which were part of the Assemblies of God, for those of you who don't know, it says he was a graduate of our Bible college in uh, Addis Ababa, which is where I go to teach. And I, I don't know if he was one of my students or not, they, they don't name him, decided to visit his family in the same village where a Kamisu, was, he's an Iman living, and he heard about the evangelist, was, he was compelled several men to help him kill the evangelist in order to send, uh, to, to send a message to others who might consider becoming followers of Jesus Christ. Now, we experience some tough times in America at times, and we, you know, we kind of, but no one's trying to kill us yet. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's straight up like a hard thing. And, um, so as they approached the advantage, they were shouting insults and hurling rocks. Uh, <laughs> sounds very biblical. Uh, suddenly, the great terror came over him, and in response, he began to yell and threaten the very men who'd asked him to carry out the plot. Like, it was this weird confusion. The guy who's trying to kill the Christian evangelist suddenly starts, like, yelling at the people he brought with him to harass and possibly kill him. Uh, <laughs> and then he ran back home, crawled into his sleeping quarters, and fell asleep in the midst of his confusion. That's weird, isn't it? You, you can say it's odd. Like, this is a crazy story. Uh, in his sleep, he had a dream. In his dream, a voice spoke to him that he should seek out the evangelist and ask to learn about Jesus. He, as he woke, he immediately ran back across the wide areas to the homestead of the evangelist. Falling at his feet, he begged forgiveness for his actions and shared with the evangelist about his dream and asked to learn more about Jesus who appeared to him. And in that moment, the imam gave his life to Jesus, resulting in a powerful conversion by God's grace. Um, then, this gets better, I start crying. I'm a very emotional for a dude, and I don't care what you think, because I'm stronger than you. Um, <laughs> and I've probably killed more deer than most of you, so I've done the manly stuff, but I can cry, because I, I cry in movies. I, 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 anyway. uh, having become a follower of Jesus, Kamisu was called into ministry uh, <laughs> and planting churches. <laughs> On the day of our <laughs> conversation, he had been saved for 18 months and already planted two new churches. Crazy. They, when the guys go to Bible college over there, like in America, we go to Bible college and then we go like into ministry and go do something. And then maybe someday we go plant a church. Every African country I've been in, they're like, so I got saved. I planted 25 churches and now I'm going to Bible college. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but they, they do, and we, we try to get a lot of resources in their hands and everything. Uh, and so now he's a student at the Bible ex School Extension Center in Eastern Ethiopia, training for full-time ministry. And here's the thing. It only costs, and I forget what it was, because I, I, the third part of the letter, uh, on the average, uh, $600 will provide one year of scholarship for a Bible school student. And so because we, have, we tithe to missions, we had some money, we got to sponsor a few years of, of that. And, and that's the kind of things we do. And I just want to encourage you, because sometimes I don't do a great job of kind of telling you all the cool missions things we get to be a part of around the world and we get to do all kinds of cool things around the world this is just one of those stories so i want to thank you for your faithfulness i want to tell you uh more about the things that we're a part of so 